Hey Auntie is recorded in Melbourne, Australia. We acknowledge that this is the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to their elders, past, present and emerging. And we extend that respect to all Indigenous Australians and Indigenous mob all over the world. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. There you are. I've been expecting you. I've just popped the kettle on. Come on in. Hi, and welcome to Hey Auntie. I'm Chantelle Weatherall, and it's my absolute pleasure to have you join me. Hey sis, come on in, take a seat, and make yourself comfy. With Hey Auntie, we're going to remix the proud tradition of the Black Auntie, and we're going to use it to demonstrate that there's millions of ways to be a magical black woman. Sounds good? Hey Auntie! 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 From a five kilometer long island in the Torres Strait, envisage herself pushing beyond her boundaries, um, her obesity, and everyone's expectations to find a love and passion for running and become a role model for an entire community in the process. Elsie Seriat is the definition of finding your passion, being finding your purpose. What uh, self-belief and hard work can do for you and how that in turn can end up being a massive service to your entire community and help everyone in your life. If you are feeling guilty about following up on something that you are passionate about or maybe you're doubtful of your abilities or feeling that flipping imposter syndrome that we get sometimes... Listen to this episode with Elsie. Get your entire life. Get fired up and get inspired. I know that I did. Elsie's run in the New York Marathon four years ago ended up sparking a running revolution that now sees Thursday Island in the Torres Strait, where she's from, hosting an annual running festival. She's part of the Indigenous Marathon Foundation. And now deadly running groups are all over the country helping aunties, young women, young men uh, in communities get back into exercise, get better health outcomes, but most importantly, get together and have a damn good time. Check Elsie out. She's a legend. I know you're going to love it. Um, well, I guess uh, this me being me um, and, you know, finding my passion, I guess, and my calling for me to um, do things in life, I guess. So um, what keeps me alive is knowing that, um, I'm put here for a reason and it's to be a leader and I'm just passionate about driving change and um, and being a role model for, for everyone. That's beautiful. And you really have stepped up to some incredible challenges 
to uh, learn that and become the leader that you are. Tell me about the journey from being a person who kind of maybe felt they had a calling to help their community to being the acknowledged leader and in this beautiful leadership role that you are in now with the Indigenous Marathon Foundation. Yeah, well, I guess as a kid growing up in a tiny island in the Torres Strait called Thursday Island, um, that, that was where I was born and bred. Um, just being exposed to a lot of things back home, I guess, culturally and spiritually. Like um, as a kid growing up on the island, you know, we've done a lot of um, stuff together as a family unit and also with my cousins and stuff. We'd, like, we'd go out to the reef and go hunting and fishing and bushwalking and doing all these amazing things. And being so remote, I guess we weren't really exposed to the outside world with what's, like, I guess when I say that, I mean what um, our potential or talents can lead to. Um, growing up at home, I was told that I was always a born leader, which was amazing to hear, I, I guess, as a kid growing up and thinking, I wonder what will I become one day? And um, I've always thought that I'm never going to leave home. And that I was always going to be an island girl from the Torres Strait, living on Thursday Island and just doing um, things, what everybody else does on a daily basis on, on the island. So um, I was fortunate enough, um, you know, I had great support. My mom was a single parent and um, raised three beautiful girls, I guess, myself and my three two sisters, in knowing, I guess, um, what our qualities are in life and what we'll become. Um, so I wish only to be after the woman my mom, my mom is to me. So, um, you know, and I think because we, we come from a, a tight-knitted family, all I wanted was uh, to be a leader in my community and help drive changes. But I didn't really know what I was in for or what to expect in life. And um, growing up with my, we lived with my um, grandparents and there was, probably about 13 of us in a four-bedroom house. Big um, family. Yes. We were, all doing, we were always doing a lot of stuff together. And um, it was only until when I moved away from home that I realized what my, about my upbringing with my grandparents um, because they've instilled um, in me the confidence and the courage that I have now to take on challenges as a kid growing up because they saw the potential and they laid the pathway for me. So um, in 2014, I was fortunate enough to uh, apply for the Indigenous Marathon Project, which is founded and directed by um, our Australian Olympic champion, Rob E. Costello. And um, Rob's the Indigenous Marathon Project is about um, using running as a health promotion tool in communities to find a leader at grassroots level to step up and make changes. And so when I saw this opportunity, I thought to myself, wow, this is my calling, you know. This is, um, this is who I want to be, you know. I want to be this leader and be this change agent for my community. And when I say change agent for my community, because we uh, suffer from a lot of uh, chronic disease illness, you know, cardiovascular, uh, diabetes and renal and all that stuff. But then it makes sense that it is only a lifestyle change or choice that we make in life. So if we can practice or preach it and say, if I can do what you can do, then people are able to follow. So I guess that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a change agent. And I just didn't think that 
I'd go anywhere with that. So yeah, Robert Bickerstall obviously uses running as a health promotion tool to select young indigenous men and women aged between 18 to 30 around the country to step up and um, make a change. And um, so when you hear the word marathon, you think sports and you think, well, that's what I thought, like super athlete, super fit, super everything. Um, I was the most obese and overweight at the tryouts when um, he was on Thursday Island. So I thought there was no way I'd get into the program. You were brave enough. You know, I know when I, when I hear marathon runners, I have an image in my head, right? All of us do. But, and it isn't me. <laughs> and so I'm so impressed that you had the courage to put yourself forward. When you saw it, how did you, how did you get over that image you had in your head and the fact that you didn't necessarily see yourself or people like you there already what helped you to still feel like you could put yourself forward yeah well I guess um marathon is a foreign word um I didn't know what it was like seriously like there's Allen is five kilometer um on the main road and a marathon is 42.195 or 26 miles and um I did (laughs) So I didn't know what I was getting myself into, you know, and um, it was on until when I got the call to say I was successful, that um, I was going to train to run a marathon in six months of no running experience from zero running to running um, a marathon. And, you know, it was really, really hard. Um, one of the motto for the foundation or project is the harder the struggle, the greater the reward. And so the struggle was training. Like there were times when I wanted to quit, but... I had a purpose, I had a why, and it was to be, like I said before, is to be a leader in my community to, for people to say that, hey, if Elsie can do it, I can do. So that was my drive. Like it, was, it was hard, it wasn't easy, but I had a purpose, and it was to just keep going. Wow. I'm, you literally signed up for the equivalent of running around your entire known world eight times. Yes, correct. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Like, you know, when people say when you're small, you'll go far. You are the definition of you'll go far. <laughs> Thank you. That's beautiful. Wow. So you signed up for this challenge and in six months, were there ever times when you thought, I can't do this, I've got to quit? Yes, of course. You, you get that all the time. Um, you know, my purpose was like I said, was to be a leader and so that people were able to see me, especially at grassroots, um, being on country and running so that they were able to see me transform and say, she can do what I can do too, because obviously they saw me as this obese. I mean, like I was obese, but I was always passionate about playing sports. So I was playing a lot of contact sport, women's rugby league and basketball. And, you know, during that time in 2014, it was very special to me because my little sister gave birth to a third child um at 26 weeks and and um she was diagnosed with uh, chronic lung disease and my mom being a single parent had to fly away with my little sister to townsville because the neonatal care is there and when i ran my first 5k there was no one to tell when i went home you know it was such a great achievement when i ran my first 10ks and my 15ks and you know so forth it was so hard so Without my family support, the community was awesome, but there was no one to tell when I went home. So I saw little my little niece when I went when I went to my fourth camp to run 30 kilometers in four months 
was the first time that I got to see her and to see her like linked up to the machines. Um, that's when I realized was like, I'm only, I can run a marathon. This is hard reading from this machine. So mm-hmm. there's no way I'm going to quit. I'm going to dedicate my run to my little niece. And that's who I did it for. That's beautiful. So you really had to dig deep and find that internal motivation. Like you mm-hmm. said, your why for mm-hmm. you to keep going because all of your usual support network are away doing something so important. Mm-hmm. And then the payoff was getting there and seeing your niece and realizing that this is so much bigger than just you. Yep. Yep. The whole program and the whole, the whole thing. And obviously I wouldn't have gotten selected if it, if it wasn't for the passion and the drive that I had uh, to be a part of the program in the first place. So um, then, you know, by then I, as much as I was running for my community and my people, I was running more for my niece because um because I thought, I thought that it was so unfair for, for God to have her go through that, you know? Mm. Of course, yeah. Wow. That, I can just imagine. When I, when I run, I, um, I've run a half marathon so far myself. And when I run, uh, what I get from running is it's like um, an opportunity to prove to myself that I can do something if I just get up and try hard. And when I run, I, when I'm struggling, I think of my grandmother. I think of my grandmother because she died when she was quite young. And I think she would give, you know, she never had the opportunity to do these things that I'm you know, internally feeling like, Oh, I can't do it, but she never had the chance. And so I've got that freedom and I want to, embrace my freedom in honor of her so mm. I, I can really relate to that idea of having someone in your mind in your heart while you're running yeah. Yeah. And and like, because we all we all have a purpose we all have a why you know and if we do it because we're passionate about it or we want to um you know prove a point or something you know we just have to lean on that purpose and why i mean you know the, the six months of my imp journey is how long god gave me my niece for six months because after i finished the marathon god god called it to rest so she was an angel and she's an angel now watching over me and um that's i guess is my biggest um purpose in life is to continue my journey at the finish line in new york New York um, City Central Park is just the beginning of everything that's ahead of me because I've got a purpose and now it's to live for my little niece's sake yeah, and continue my drive and passion. That is incredible. Thank you so much for sharing that. I really hear that you grew up with this beautiful gift from your family of self-belief, hmm. but you had to wait until the right a path was lit up for you and shown to you and you really embrace that but I love that you're saying that okay yeah on paper running a marathon that is like a an achievement a pinnacle but for you the transformation had only just begun then because tell, tell us about how it has transformed your life following that how is your life different now to how it was before mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so going back home as a marathoner now, um, you know, when I went back home after running the marathon, I went back home to a homecoming, like, um, just like a, I don't know, Beyonce, say, I was coming back home, you know, and all the fans were out, like all the supporters, um, all our supporters, all our family and friends were out 
um, down at the wharf waiting for us to get off the ferry and um, just to welcome us home. And I guess it's then when I realized that, this, like not realized, but just the reassurance of, yes, this is bigger than me. These people count on me, us to continue this change that we say that we want to do. So when I saw all the people, young and old, welcoming us home, um, you know, I thought, well, yep, this is bigger than me. And plus, um, we've just, like, had job, job opportunities been thrown at us in community for, like, however long we've stayed there. Like, after school, I worked for the Queensland Health Department for, like, 15 years. And um, then I just had, like, all these opportunities, like the sporting complex and everyone with wanting, wanting me to work for them. And it was really great. So it opened doors to a lot of uh, job opportunities. And... Um, one job that I took was obviously the one that I'm in now um, is with Indigenous Marathon Foundation. And when I saw the opportunity come up, I thought it was perfect for me to give back to the foundation for what the foundation has given me. So I'm now um, living in Canberra and I've been here for two years. Amazing. So you've come full circle from being the young woman with huge potential who uh, was just waiting for uh, somebody to tap her on the shoulder and enable her to fulfill her potential to now being the person doing that for other people in community. Yep, and that person, you know, I, I, I can never find a word to describe him is Robert Di Costello because he's an Australian icon and an Australian champion. He can train our next uh, Olympic Australian runner, but yet he chooses to focus on Aboriginal and Torres Strait uh, health and well-being. And I guess this is where we step up to say that we need to drive change. We need to, you know, help decrease our chronic disease illness and be leaders in that community at grassroots. And so, you know, um, he's really um, took me out of my comfort zone from from the tiny island, the, the island girl I was living on PI, to this big city where um, I realized my true potential and my true calling and um, what I'm really passionate about is to continue to make changes. Amazing. I love the idea that you absolutely have been enabled, but that you were always a woman of great potential and that even as a child, your family could see that in you. And I wonder sometimes, whenever I'm worried about the state of the world, I look around, especially at the black women around me and the amazing things that they're doing for community. And it gives me hope and it makes me feel like we might be okay after all. Is there a special significance to you in um, following your passion in your work um, as a black woman and a, and a proud Torres Strait Islander woman? Well, I guess, you know, before when I was exposed to what I am now, um, I was always mindful of myself because we suffer from a lot of whole uh, puppy syndrome and mud, mud crabs in the bucket is what we call it. Right. Um, and I always was cautious about what others think of me, even my own people, and more of the non-Indigenous, you know. Um, and I guess it's just something that's that was instilled with, with us growing up on a tiny island that I was always ashamed of my appearance and being black and, you know, like what people thought of me. And um, it was only until when probably 2013, 2014, when I was... Um, taken out of my comfort zone to do things that I thought, wow, this world's different. But it's also good, I guess, as in for me to be an example, to go back home and to tell everyone that it's okay. It's okay. Like, black is beautiful, man. We can do a lot of things that, you know, I think, you know, 
we like to underestimate ourselves and um, being able to, I guess, uh, being able to be that person that was caught up in that shadow. I think I can, I'm, I, I now think that I'm a superwoman. I can do whatever I want to do. I can just rock up wherever I want without feeling ashamed and just being proud of who I am, being a black woman and a proud person on that. I love that. And I really can in my own small way relate because I grew up um, with a lot of anxieties about being dark skinned in a very white environment or being, you know, the way that I sound or the shape of my body or all of the, all of the things, everyone has them that kind of weigh you down and take up so much of your energy worry about them which which you should be much better spending on other things but as soon as I found the thing that I was passionate about I found that my desire to do the thing that I believed in was so much bigger than my fears so all of those little things that I was worried about and anxious about just faded away. I have actually right next to me on the wall next to my desk where I'm sitting talking to you is a poster from one of my favorite inspirational black women. And it says, when I dare to be powerful, to use my strength in service of my vision, Mm -hmm. then it becomes less and less important whether I'm afraid. Mm, That's awesome. Right. Mm. And that's a quote from Audre Lorde. And I love that quote. And I have it next to my desk because when I was starting out making this podcast, I was pretty afraid. And it really sums it up. Like you, you, you you just let go of all of your fears because you're like, my purpose is bigger than all of that stuff. Yeah, exactly right. Mm. I love that. I love hearing that finding our purpose can free us like that because Mm. it's another reason I think why finding our purpose is not selfish by finding your purpose you free yourself of all the things that are holding you back from contributing your full gifts to your community Mm. Mm. yes correct (laughs) Um, how did you how did you see folks when you were a kid pursuing their passions who, who in your family or around you did you see who you thought, wow, that person is really living, living their life and pursuing their dreams? Mm, great question. I just, I don't know. We were just always just looking at each other, I guess. And as I mean, small community, we just talk with my with my cousins and friends about what we were going to be when we grow up. You know, we, I'm going to be like this person. I'm going to be like that person. But um yeah we, we just always i guess wanted just to be someone i mean there was never a certain person i guess that i kind of looked up to i just thought that i just want to be known as someone i want to leave a statement for myself when i leave for my next life <laughs> i love that you knew you wanted to make an impact yes <laughs> gorgeous and have you found now a community of other women and other women of color who share your passion or um, have passions of their own to be part of? Because you mentioned earlier, and I think it is something that we do suffer with sometimes, the tall poppy syndrome thing, which can mean that it can sometimes be a bit lonely when you find your passion. Yeah, well, I guess being a grassroots and 
being grassroots and being able to test or, or being able to give it a go just gives courage to other women around you to say it's not that bad. Um, because, yes, I do. I mean, like back home, we've created a whole lot of ripple, um, especially with all my aunties and my grandmothers coming out to try something that they've never done since school, simply walk or run, just being active. And I guess it was that it just took that one person to, to do it and for them to follow, which is amazing because that's exactly what's happening back home now. Everybody's coming out of the comfort zone to doing something that they've never thought that they're going to do, you know, including my mom, including my sisters, including my aunties, everyone's um, giving it a go. So I guess um, that's the best thing about it is that, um, that you see that your actions, um, uh, like you, your, yeah, what we do, into actions with ripple with other people continuing to do the same things which is amazing i love that idea of the ripple effect like you know the stone going in the water and then the beautiful vibrations going outwards of other people yeah. being empowered by you empowering yourself yes empower. yeah empower that's the word yes I love that. And I also am absolutely loving the idea of all the aunties getting out there and going yeah. for a walk and going for a run. And it's just breaking stigma around shame, breaking stigma around pop up syndrome and just doing it together because we all come together. We, we all do the same thing. We all look the same and we all giving it a go. I love that. And it might even be that it's not running. It might be that it's, you know, one of them might want to start a small business or one of them might want to, you know, might want to travel somewhere. It's just seeing somebody doing what they yeah. believe in and feeling like they have a right to follow their passion. Yeah. And it's all networking, empowering each other and stuff, sharing stories, having that yarn and all that stuff. Yeah. I love that. I love that. How do you feel? your passion and finding your passion has changed you as a person? I don't know. I mean, like, it, does, it didn't really change me because I'm still the same person. Uh, it just gave me more confidence to realise that I can be this person that I want to be with the same passion that I said I wanted to do, but it's just given me a bigger stage, I guess, to drive that change, you know, and especially here in Canberra at a national level, um, you know, I talk a lot about, obviously wanting to still be active and remain active. So I want to be this leader that I have to lead by example. So continue, like it doesn't matter that I'm so far away from home, I still have to act on, I still have to practice what I preach, um, which is my own responsibility. You know, like I don't have to do it, but I want to because I want to be this, like I said, I want to be um, living in a statement for myself, you know, when I, when I do... Um, go to my next life but also um you know that i'm expecting my first baby and i'm so excited so that i have um more um more i have more passion and motivation i guess to become this person for the sake of my son when he arrives yeah oh so you know you're having a son that's beautiful <laughs> yes <laughs> a little boy oh, that's yeah so, so yeah does that answer your question yeah absolutely yeah and it makes perfect sense because you you already knew you wanted to be a leader, but it's just really giving you giving you that stepping stone and mm. saying, okay, lead here. Mm. You know, this is the place to make your contribution. That's amazing. How do you um, being in Canberra? It's not the um, most diverse place in the world. 
and coming from a community where you know you're surrounded by family and familiarity and people who look like you how do you navigate the fact that you're following your passion will often mean that you're in really foreign surroundings and with people who are very different how do you navigate that well Canberra I wasn't sure like I said because I was a bit scared obviously with um, my how people were going to take me I mean like I know I was coming to a work environment where I knew everyone but it was always outside of work where I was kind of scared about my appearance still being in this being in the city you know Canberra but then you know it's pretty multicultural so there's a lot of people from a lot of different countries that are here and I guess we all see ourselves I don't know different or same because you know, you just walk past everyone, everyone greets you. I mean, like, I'm sure it's everywhere else. But for me, I felt very, it made me feel very uh, safe <laughs> that it wasn't that bad after all, because it was all in my mind. Yeah. You found community there. Found community, yes. Yeah. That's yeah. wonderful. It's so funny how when you take up a new hobby, it's actually a great way of making friends because you've got something to talk about with people. I've had conversations about running with people who on paper would have nothing in common with me, but because we both like to run, um, mm. you know, with a, the random French guy who was the head of IT at my old work, we used to have such a good yarn in the kitchen because he'd be telling me about his new running watch and geeking out about it and I'd be like oh my goodness that's amazing and asking Mm. his advice on nice runs to do so Mm. have you found have you found that you you make friends through your oh yeah definitely I mean even back home when we started up our running group there we were having people coming that we didn't really know of so and I loved it because then it was my because when you kind of started running and because you have to not quit but give up a lot of things like you know going out late at night and partying and all that stuff so you tend to lose some friends but with running you gain some friends and it's such a great circle i guess because everyone's passionate about the one thing and it's about running and living an active and healthy lifestyle so um back home and i was back there we had like a group is uh, inclusive so it's for both indigenous and non and it was just good to have that network of people coming in and um, we learn from each other or we have job opportunities and, and everything. And here in Canberra is just the same. So um, around the country through the foundation, we have what's called deadly running groups. And so we've got a deadly running group here in Canberra and also in Crimbian and Tagrenong. And um, of all us mob coming together, it's just such a great feeling because we all have the same mindset and the same goals and it's, yeah sharing positive stuff with each other. (laughs) Yeah, that is such a good point. Once you find the thing that you're passionate about, one of the kind of sad bits is people will fall away whose Mm. lives are not aligned to what Mm. you're doing. Because, you know, you, you do have to end up going to bed at a reasonable hour or, you know, not able to say yes to that invitation or that other invitation but it you do eventually find those other people who you know your lives fit better together I guess and you have that that shared ground and it's lovely Mm. after a while but you do kind of have to hang in there sometimes through the middle bit where you're like right so I'm running heaps I'm exhausted and I've all my friends are gone (laughs) yeah yeah but then you know we just we just our running group we just don't run we get together like a family and we have like our dinner nights and you know sharing nights and everything so it's not just all about running but 
best thing is just that we're all together. Um, the, the environment, I guess, is so positive that you surround yourself with amazing people, you know? Yeah. yeah they're yeah. positive people. People with passion mm. will mm. lift you up, hey? Yes. That's beautiful. I love that. And lastly, what do you think has been your biggest takeaway, the thing that you have learned, maybe something that has surprised you through the process of going on this journey and finding your passion? Yeah, well, I guess, you know, um, I've had a lot of surprises along the way, you know, like since running, running the marathon in 20, 2014, um, I've uh, received awards like um, at home on local local level. So like just like sports person of the year and stuff like that. Um, I also got an award for the state, which was pretty amazing for Queensland, um, for women and girls in sport, um, in the inspirational category. And that's something that I've never thought that, I'd ever receive, you know, but just being recognized at such high level. And these are these all happen because uh, people are watching and I guess we do it because we're passionate about it. We don't do it to um, jump up and down and say, hey guys, this is what I'm doing. You should recognize me. And it's just great to be recognized for your hard work, you know, but it's something that we don't like to take for granted because we want to do it because we want to be this change. And, um, you know, what my recent achievement was is receiving the Order of Australia Medal um, this year at the Government House, and that's probably one of my highest recognition. And um, when I got the award, I dedicated it to my community and my people only because, once again, it's not about me. It's about me making that way for my people to say, if I can do what you can do, coming from a tiny island in the Torres Strait to where I am now, um, dream big, and I guess dreams do come true. Um, if you just follow your dreams, yeah. I love that. I know that you're very humble and you're saying if you can do it, anyone can do it. And I love that you want to be that example. But you didn't have someone to follow. You had to really find your why and your self-belief. What would you say to anyone who was struggling to find the self-belief to get started? Um, just be patience. I mean, um, it took me forever. I mean, 29, probably 29 years, because that's when um, I got into the project, which realized um, my abilities to make changes and stuff, you know, so that I was 29 when I got into the fund, uh, project. So um, my advice would be for people that are struggling to finding um, self-belief and courage and determination and strength is be patient and, um, you know, learn from our mistakes because, um, it's not all the time that things go right. Um, I believe, obviously, in the saying that it's pretty well known that when one door closes, another one opens, and we just have to keep going. I mean, if um, when we fall, we pick ourselves up, we dust ourselves off, and we go again. So we just have to have that positive uh, mindset that will get us through anything that we set our heart and mind to. What's the thing that you invoke when you are having a, a day when you're like, I'm tired. I don't want to today. Um, I'm grateful for the life I have and that the same thing, I mean, like we all have self-doubts. It's just a matter of getting over that self-doubt because nothing's going to happen and it's going to be a new day tomorrow where you're just going to have to just try again and be better, be better than what you was yesterday. Thanks again to my amazing guests and thank you for listening. So you've heard what the aunties have to say. What do you think? Hey, Auntie Pod at gmail.com, Facebook, 
or Instagram. That's Auntie A-U-N-T-Y. Don't forget to like and subscribe and join us in a week for the next show.